There's a lot of great trail cameras out there. I've run the Tacticams, and that's a great system, especially their cell cameras. I've run a lot of different brands that I've I've recommended to you guys in the past, but the right fit at the right time is the SpyPoint trail cameras. I have uh, a couple of the Flex G36s that are cell cams. They do a really good job for keeping track of everything that's going on on my property. And I also have for, you know, kind of out in the back country, I've got these Force Pros. Man, the picture quality on those Force Pros is, is just amazing. If you guys saw some of the bear pictures I was showing you during Spring Bear, that was a Force Pro. Really great cameras. I, I'm really excited that they are, uh, they chose to sponsor the show because I've been, I've been using SpyPoint for a long time, and and I think you guys are going to be just as happy as I am with them. And check them out at SpyPoint.com and let them know the Western Huntsman sent you. Some of you might be old enough to remember back in the day when you can go to Walmart and get you a Savage Rifle for very cheap. And they did a good job, but they weren't, like, equipped for some of the hardcore hunting out there that we do today. If that's a memory that you have with Savage, like I do... I'm telling you, it's not like that anymore. Savage Arms is one of the premier firearms manufacturers dedicated to us hunters. I have this freaking uh, Savage 110. It's the Apex Hunter. And this thing is amazing. I love the AccuTrigger. You can also get them with the AccuFit, which allows you to adjust the stock. So if you're buying them for youth hunters or whatever, or just, you know, rifles fit you different. It's so flexible. It's so perfect for every hunter. It's just not the same Savage that it was 30, 40 years ago. It's a great firearm for everyday use while hunting, and they support hunters, and they support this show, and I really appreciate Savage Arms. Check them out anywhere firearms are sold or go to savagearms.com to find out more. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Lonely Broken Tine studio and brought to you by Eastman's Hunting Journals. Guys, thank you for uh, joining me on uh, another episode. Uh, a couple of uh, uh, just little announcements. First of all, I want to thank everybody who's been out there writing good reviews for the show. And and uh, that really, I like, if, if you don't do a podcast, you might not know this, but those good reviews whether it's on like Apple podcast or, or, uh, you know, wherever you can write reviews, some of the platforms don't let you do that, but it, you probably don't know this, but they're really, really helpful for the show. What that does is when people type in like anything hunting wise, it brings up this show, uh, a lot more frequently than it would otherwise. And so I just, I really appreciate those of you that have posted some, uh, some good reviews and, 
and uh, would ask anybody that uh, finds value in this show to go ahead and post a good review for us because it again it just really helps the show it helps our mission um helps us grow so um appreciate that and the other thing is is uh i'm going to be putting this out on february 6 and the uh, so next week is the hunt expo down in salt lake uh, if uh, you guys are going to be there, hit me up. I'll be there. I'll be with the uh, Eastman's group over there in the booth and uh, kind of roaming around, probably, you know, just trying to rub elbows with as many people as I can. And I'm really excited to meet a lot of you in, in person, whether they're a former guest or uh, just somebody who listens to the show. Definitely hit me up. Uh, I'll be looking forward to meeting everybody. It should be a pretty good time. You'll get to see... Uh, the the whole like Eastman's puts together quite the booth, so it's it's a big deal. So anyway, I have no idea what I'll be doing there other than uh, you know fleecing the public like I usually do. <laughs> so, all right. So this week on the show, I've got my buddy Ross Sharp. Ross is the owner of the Crazy Elk Company, and he's a friend of mine. Uh, he's been on the show before, so he's a return guest. And we have been talking back and forth about some, I, I, you know, whether it's just basic let's talk elk or let's talk about some of the stuff going on in the, in the state of Washington with that uh, wild and crazy commission you guys have over there. Um, and, and other things that are going on in the, throughout the hunting community. Um, if you have ever seen the tag wallet, uh, I have one in my pack. Uh, Ross is the inventor and maker creator or whatever of, of the tag wallet. And I'll let him explain that a little bit better, but uh, he's just a good guy all around. I'm really happy to have you. So I uh, appreciate you joining me, Ross. How's it going, man? Good. Nice to see you, my friend. I'm super jealous of your room. We were talking before we hit record. Ross, and I don't know if anybody is watching the video portion of this, but uh, Ross has got these giant bowls on the wall with this beautiful barnwood wall and this corrugated steel-like ceiling that he was uh he got a heck of a deal on out there and just made it look really cool it looks way better than the broken time studio does but it gives me inspiration ross because this studio is going to look badass when i'm finished with it sweet i look forward to seeing it heck yeah one day one day uh if uh we want to get real crazy you're gonna have to come see me in montana here and sit down in the studio for a uh, in person that's what i'm waiting for i can't wait to get like live guests again that'd be cool yeah so uh yeah, give every tell us about what tell us what the crazy elk company is and tell us a little bit about the tag wallet. We'll just kind of roll from there, brother. So the crazy elk company um was just something that I started to actually get out my idea of the tag wallet, which was my first idea. Um I, we're going on three years now of me selling the tag wallet and how that came to be was uh when i was i got an elk down i got checked as i was dressing the animal by a game warden had to uh you know untape my tag showed it him and then put it back on and it didn't stick very well so i had to use more tape and then and as me and my buddies just hiked the you know four miles back to the truck another game warden was there and he wanted to see my tag and i was like well i just showed your other guy and he's like, well, I need to see it. So I had to untape it again. And that basically got the process of me thinking there's got to be an easier way. And so yeah. um, the product I have now is like version 4.0. Uh, 
and it's i don't i don't know how i can make it any better um yeah but it's just a rips ripstop nylon pouch it's almost like the size of a coin purse it's like four inches by four inches um has some tabs on the side that um the tag wallet comes with reusable zip ties and those they go through those tabs so there's two different sizes uh zip ties um a smaller pair six inch and then a bigger pair for eight inch um so you know if you got and you can actually use them together too if you got something really big but they'll go around antlers they'll go around leg quarters you know whatever you need them to go to and then if you ever get checked all you got to do is unzip that little pouch and your tags inside and show it and then and put it right back in the pouch and zip it and you're you're done you know your website says you're out of stock you weren't you sell out of those bad boys show season and all i've actually <laughs> sold i've actually sold through my second flight that i've purchased um and i was a little scared because uh when i ran when i was getting low i went back to the company that was making them they're just south of me here about three hours in vancouver washington and i uh, put in my order and was there they, you know they gave me a thumbs up and i just kind of waited and three weeks later i got an email so i thought they were done it was going to be like my invoice or something and in the email they said uh Unfortunately, we are increase. We have to increase the price by two dollars per unit, and we have to increase the minimum by a thousand. Oh, geez. Yeah. Seriously. So, yeah, and so I was. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge company, and I'm trying to work on other products. And to go with them, I would have had to have uh, basically just put all my money just on that thing, and then I wouldn't have money to work on my other products. So I started shopping around. Some guys were trying to get me to go overseas. I didn't really want to do that. And then I just went on Instagram and said, Hey, is there anybody in Washington? I mean, I'll go anywhere, but is there anybody in Washington that is really good at sewing? And, uh, I had quite a few people reach out to me and ironically, um, the best resume I got was a lady who lives literally 10 minutes from me. She's yeah. been doing Peace work for all kinds of companies since she was 16 and you know she's in her 50s mm -hmm. uh and i went and looked at her work and so we, we kind of came up with a deal and now instead of having quotas i can just order you know 100 at a time when i need them and that way i can take my money and finally get some of my other ideas out there god that's awesome that no that's a lot better man i i know that i hate those companies when you're ordering stuff and they have to have these stupid minimums and it's always like bad timing. I, I, I always wanted to like order, order, I don't know, have some hats made for the Western Huntsman or whatever. And like, unless you want to pay 20 bucks per hat, you have to order 40 of them or whatever. And I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm cheap, man. I don't want to spend that kind of money <laughs> because there, it's not like I, I'm not going to sell that stuff. So uh, I right. just give it away, but that, that gets really pricey. And so, um, yeah, that tag wallet is what I like about it is it's way, you know, I'm, I'm old school, man. I've been having that electric tape or whatever in my pack forever. And I just tape it on the, on the horn, uh, call it a day, but like it would, the tag would get, I, I don't know about you, but I always tend to be packing stuff out when it's raining. <laughs> right. And so the tag gets soaked. And then it rips easy and then you can't yep. tape it back on. And it's like just always an issue. And so I, I really like that. You just take those zip ties and go zip, zip and stick that tag in there waterproof. And there you go. 
all done. And so, uh, yeah, we've, I used it a couple times last year. I didn't take any pictures like I promised you I would. So, so this (laughs) coming year, it's all uh, good. I will definitely take some pictures. So, how'd your, you went to Utah on that elk hunt? I want to hear about that. Yeah. So, uh, when I was, you know, approaching around when I was about 45, I started looking. I was like, you know, I really want to do something for my 50th birthday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I just started looking around at outfitters and actually when I started up the crazy oak company, um, I had, uh, an outfitter actually reach out to me. Um, and he kind of, you know, he, he really liked the tag wallet idea and he w- wanted to do some cross promotion. And we worked out a deal where I sent him a bunch of uh tag wallet. So like he could give it to his clients. Um, and then I sent like a bunch of my hats and t-shirts to his, his guides and stuff. And, and then it finally hit me. I'm like, well, shoot, I've been talking with this guy in Utah. I said, I wonder what kind of hunts he has down there. So I just reached out to him. And, you know, most most of Utah for like a big bull is, you know, you get got to put in for the draw and all that stuff. Yeah, man, actually, it's it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. And uh, I didn't I was like, well, I want this for my 50th birthday, which is coming up like really soon. And he's like, well, I have an over the counter uh, unit you know, it's any bull unit. And I'm like, really? And so I just talked to him. We negotiated a price and I, uh, was talking to a friend about it and he was, he turns 50, like a month after me. And he's like, well, do you think he'll let me come too? So I called him and he's like, yeah. So me and my buddy went down there and, uh, it was a hoot. It it was hard. Ah, That would be a hoot. (laughs) It was hard, but it was a hoot for sure. Well, I mean, it's elk hunting. What right. was this? Was this a? This was a rifle season, right? It was a rifle season. Yeah, it started uh, like October sixth or October seventh, something like that. Oh, sweet! And They're still bugling. Uh, well, that was the intention of it. Um, just before we went there, they had a big snowstorm, and it was kind of warming up a little bit. And actually, the whole week we were there except for the morning it, I, we were in t-shirts it was pretty warm but um yeah we hunted at like eleven thousand feet we were 20 miles back in on horses um we saw one person after the first five miles and he was on foot oh wow we ran into him, we ran into him <laughs> cool. like yeah we ran into him like 10 miles back when we hit the snow line what a stud and, well yeah a stud but also like the guy we were with, uh, Braden, he looked at him and he, he's like, you're back here by yourself, no horses or anything. And he's like, yeah. And, uh, he's like, well, how are you going to get an elk out? Oh, here? I was going to say, man, how's he going to pack a bull out of his, if he's, you know, especially with we're <laughs> by himself to be uh, the whole week we're there expected to be warm. And he's like, if you get an elk down, he's like, from where you're at right now, he says, you're looking, if you take all the meat you're supposed to take, you're looking at a week's work. Oh yeah. And it not being cold, he probably would have lost some of that too. Oh yeah. And uh he, the guy just like looked at it, he's like, Well, I'll worry about that, you know, when it happens. Um they ended up change uh, exchanging their inreach numbers with each other. And a couple days later, he actually's like, Yeah, I'm gonna go back a couple miles, but if I end up getting a elk down, will you you know, pack it out for me. <laughs> and he's oh, like, really? well, we'll see what, I, yeah, 
he's like, well, we'll see what happens if it, you know, for a nominal fee. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. But, uh, that yeah. That's, that, that's uh, just for, for those of you listening out there, that is not a good policy to be like, you know, 10 miles back by yourself, shoot an elk and then wonder what to do at that point. You got to figure that shit out before you get out there, folks. Yeah, for sure. Like he had no plan. His plan was, well, I'll, I'll deal with it. You know, once I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, he was giving it hell. At least he was giving it hell. But, um, yeah, yeah, I was, I, I can't remember. I remember you, you, I don't remember if you texted me or if you posted that and I saw that and you're like, oh, this is in Utah. Yeah. And then, uh, did you send an article over to, uh, Todd over at Eastman's? I did. Um, I haven't heard anything like he reached out to me, um, and said, Hey, I'd like to hear the story on this bull. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I can write the story. So it took me, you know, a week or so to come up with everything. And I sent it to him. I haven't heard anything. Um, you know, I think Eastman's is pretty picky about their, you know, they want really, really high quality pictures and, and stuff like that. And most, most of my pictures, unfortunately, are like I have a really nice one here on my wall, but the outfitter asked me not to give like show background and landscape. Oh yes, yes. Give away where I don't blame at. him. Yeah, and so I had to like crop a bunch of pictures, then I just kind of had to send him some pictures that didn't have a lot of backdrop. So we'll see if it was good enough to make the cut or not. I'll bug him next week at the expo and ask him about it. But yeah, I, I know that's, that's one of the hard parts is a lot of times in like, for, for, for like me, I'm a terrible photographer, man. I don't, I don't know what to take a picture of, you know, and, uh, I'm just using my iPhone and, uh, I finally got a new one. I had this ancient iPhone. And so like the pictures would end up being grainy if you blew them up for a magazine or something. And that, that becomes an issue obviously, but I don't know, like some of the pictures I, I get, I get my Eastman's magazine um, and, and I, I start flipping through it and I'm like, man, like people are taking professional photographers with them or something. I, I don't know how they're getting those kind of pictures and I'm yeah, usually solo. And so that, that's an added, you know, level of <laughs> difficulty for pics, but whatever. I just don't, I don't know. I've have, man, I have so many animals that like I've killed over the years that I, I never even took pictures of man. And like, I, I wish I would have, because it'd be cool to like do these, those like throwback pictures, you know, here's this, yeah. this mule deer from whatever year and, and post that as uh, you know, uh, what, what do we call them? Grip and grin or whatever. But anyway, yeah, I just, I don't have any of those, but yeah, I've, I'll, I've always, I'll bug Todd. I've always taken pictures like my room around me, uh, I made like a, uh, I don't know, I guess it's four and a half feet up high of barnwood all the way around. And at the top, it's a shelf. And I have pictures just of, you know, all, all my, all my kills, all my friends kills, or just, or just moments that were special, you know, throughout my whole life. Um, but I didn't start doing that till, you know, probably only 20 years ago. So everything older than 20 years, I don't have anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I am, man. I just, I, I don't have, I, I mean, it's not even 20, I, like 10 years ago. I, I When was that? When they first came out with the phones that took the pictures, and they, those right. were just shit, you know, those right. pictures were just, uh, they, they didn't turn out. Um, 
I, I still think I carried one of those. <laughs> in fact, I probably have a pile of those disposable cameras buried in like a sea bag or something that I, that I need to develop still. I don't even know if you still can, but uh, uh, there's, there's companies that you can send into that will do it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That'd be interesting. If I found we're, we're about once all the, we're in the middle of remodeling this house, you know, I've got, had the cabinet guy here today. Uh, and, and I had, uh, in fact, in fact, tonight marks a significant milestone here, Ross. It is like I'm I'm sitting out here in the studio in a t-shirt because the HVAC guy, my my HVAC guy, his name, I want to give him a shout out, HVAC Zach with Gilmore Heating and Air, uh, finally got our our gas furnace up and running. Cause when we bought this house, it had those little electric heaters on the wall, you know, the, oh, the radiant right. ones. Yeah. And my my electric bill's been coming in at like 450 bucks, 500 bucks. These things suck, dude. And when when right. we had that negative twenty two degree, uh, you know, spell come through here, uh, we hit like negative. We we hit at one point like negative thirty three, but mostly it was about twenty two below zero for about a week. And like they didn't even do anything to to heat the house up. I had all these space heaters going. I had to. I I, I had a couple of pipes freeze. But anyway. HVAC Zach's been here, man, and uh, he's he's put all this in, and he's he's actually my wife's cousin, and so uh, he's been coming up with his family and and putting this HVAC in all weekend. So anyway, the point is, is it's like nice and toasty in the studio tonight for the first time ever. I don't have to cool. have this little space heater going, but slowly but surely, uh, we're we're getting there. So once I got us off track, dude. What what was I even? We were talking about at? Utah. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That I—that's what I was going to ask you. So, so you were on an outfitted guided hunt there, and yep. um, did you did you guys call that bull in or? So, you know, going into it with when I had the dates that I had, I thought, well, you know, it's still because like in Washington, that would just be like the middle of the muzzleloader season, and they're talking here, you know, really well, and so we kind of thought it'd be the same there. Um, we heard some bugles while, you know, in the middle of the night when we were sleeping, we actually had an elk the first night we slept, we actually had an elk two feet from our tent. Wow. Um, yeah. It started barking at us and stuff, which was, which was pretty cool. So that got me really excited. Um, but during the day we heard very few, uh, very few bugles. We had, I guess that first day we had, um, it was probably three hours after it got light. We already mm -hmm. we saw some bulls that we went after. Um, you know, there was no talking going on at all. And then we ended up not being able to find them. And then all of a sudden we heard a bugle behind us about, you know, a mile or so. And so we kind of went in that direction. And he was sounding off, so we didn't even call. We just kind of went on an intercept course. And uh, when you're never hunted at 11,000 feet, it is a chore to try to get, you know, a quick march to get on an intercept course. Anyway, my buddy, because he's never taken an elk before. And uh, I said, hey, you get first shot, you know, you, you get first opportunity. And so he was ahead of me and they ran around the corner and I heard a, a bugle and then I heard a shot. And I was like, sweet, he got it. But apparently he didn't because, um, you know, like I said, did we he were, miss or? Yeah, he missed. Um, he, it was an offhand shot. It, you know, it was within a hundred yards, but he had a hard time 
Um, and it was by itself. I mean, the cows were, you know, a ways ahead of it. It was in the back of the herd. Um, but there was no, no worry about hitting anything else. And yeah, he took an offhand shot, but he was breathing so hard, you know, from, from running up. What, there what, to try how, wait a minute. Wait, how do you define an offhand shot? What is that? Like shooting well, from the it, hip or just not stabilized with the rifle? Right. He was standing up with his gun against his shoulder. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So he, yeah, he yeah. didn't have a really, he didn't have like a good rest, like a pack or a tree or a bipod or anything, or even, or even kneeling down. He was just standing up because it happened so fast. Cause like, I guess when they got up there, the cows were already across, you know, like they saw their butts going across the opening and they knew the bull was in the back. And when he saw it, you know, I, I don't know what to say, but he, yeah, he missed. So he was pretty bummed about that. And then in the evening, we went after some other bugles. But every time, like when we were a long ways away, it, they would respond. And then we got to one part where we were like 500 yards away, and it would respond. And then we didn't talk at all until we got to within a couple hundred yards, maybe 100 yards. And we were in this, you know, pretty thick trees. And we let out a bugle, and the world went silent. Oh no! And that happened. <laughs> yeah, and that happened uh, three other times. And uh, Braden, he he's he sounds he sounds really good. And I told him, I said, maybe we shouldn't bugle anymore. Maybe we should just cow call, because once we get close, they just disappeared. Yeah. Um, and my bull, uh, we got it on the second, was it the second or third day? Um, we were going towards, it was, it's actually funny. Uh, I had a lot of camera issues when I was there. Um, on the horse ride in, I was carrying my GoPro. It was like snapped on my backpack. And then my uh, SLR was in my cotton carrier on my backpack. Well, when we jumped a creek, my camera came out of the cotton carrier and almost landed in the creek. <laughs> and then when I got off to get that, somehow none of us saw my GoPro fall off. And then another time, I started using my phone to record some video and some pictures. And my phone, I had it in my, I had that, you know, the Alaskan guide pack. And on the top, there's that yeah. sleeve. Yeah. Well, yeah. it just, it just fell out. So Your like phone fell out? Oh yeah. wow. So like so like three times, and this is when the you know, we just met this guy, the guide, and three times before we even got to our destination, we had to turn back around to try to find my camera. So I'm sure he was like, you know, what in the world is going on with this guy? So <laughs> let me ask you something though. Uh, what what are what, what you say you're going you're going in on, on horseback? Are you are you like uh pretty savvy in a saddle or is that something that's pretty new for you? I've been around horses. A majority of my life yeah yeah have you okay i'm just curious yeah that uh, on, on that on that note that chest harness uh right and and i am not they they don't sponsor this show i wish they would but um but as of right now they don't sponsor this show uh but that kufaru new bino harness that came out with last year yeah it's badass because you could stick your phone in this top pouch thing uh, when the, the flap will fold down and you can kind of like stick it in front of your binos um okay. and you can actually film everything going on in front of you with your phone 
and oh, and I'll and the harness itself yeah it's it's a good one man and i i don't like i, I you know me i'm not like a gear junkie I, and i'm not i'm not a gear whore either i'm not just gonna you know whore myself out to somebody that wants to pay me money or something but um it's 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 a I, i've just chest harnesses vinyl harnesses have always been like this issue for me and and i've always been like searching for the right one i've spent thousands of dollars on these things and right. and finally Kafaro came out with one man and i'm i man i'm just tickled with this thing it's so freaking cool um but yeah so okay you, you had to keep going back and getting your um getting my cameras getting your so, cameras and you dropped you found your phone though because you dropped your yeah, phone we, we found everything and on that first day when we went for our first hike at least the horse didn't step on your phone right uh, one time he was close but um <laughs> yeah that first day when uh my friend Brandon and I were going to cut off that elk. My GoPro fell off. You know, it's like a clip, a vice clip thing that clips on my pack. And then it has like a, a bendable arm so you can, you know, bend yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. That, there's a name for those. My, I had a, I had one with my Tacticam uh, right. that if I, if I got an elk coming in close, I'd, I'd clamp it to the tree branch next to me right. and it had the wide lens Tacticam, but it burned in that damn truck fire, man. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Anyway, I lost my GoPro that day. And so the second day, I'm like, hey, I want to go look for my GoPro. So, so we went and looked for my GoPro again. It took us a while. And then by the time I found it, we only had about an hour before it was getting dark. And I said, hey, let's just go up to that point up there. And then from there, we can like see this whole basin. So we ride the horses up there. We get off. And as soon as we crest over the top, Right below us, at like 230 yards, is a cow. And I'm like, holy crap. And she was looking, she was already looking up at us. So I just, like, we didn't move. We just stood there. And she eventually got comfortable and she just crossed the opening. And then we saw another animal in front of her. Couldn't tell what it was. And I'm like, oh man, I wonder if that was the bull. But then as soon as I thought that over the ridge, all I saw was this. This rat oh, just come over the and top. that's the one bu- uh, to your left as we're recording. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Yes. And I was like, oh, I said, pull, you know, and I'm like, give me a range. And and so I, I, ha- I already had my pack on the ground and I already had my gun down there. So I just dropped to the ground and I got it in my scope and I was waiting for Braden to give me a range. And he was excited. He was having problems getting his range finder out of his pouch. And because uh, he was wanting to record me at the same time. Yeah, and then he just gave up on recording, and he just gave me the, uh, just gave me the yardage. And as soon as it came out, I popped it, and it dropped, and uh, that was it. Sweet, and he's a big. You didn't. I I I don't know. But I, I'm not big on scoring, but it, it's always nice for reference. Did you do you have any kind of rough score on that bull? Uh. He's like a 315, 320. Uh, that's he's, okay. Okay. See, yeah. I'm pretty good, man. I look at it. I, I figured probably between 300 and 320 when I saw him. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's, he's only a five by six, but he's really, he's got really long tines and he's really thick and real thick. Re- yeah. And he's really, he's really wide. Uh, Beautiful bull, man. Silencer Central. 
Folks, if you want to learn something new right alongside me, check it out at silencercentral.com. I've never put a suppressor on any of my weapons, but I'm going to start now. And I'm using Silencer Central to help get me started because they walk you through the whole process to include you can ship the rifle to them. They'll thread it, they'll put it on, and they will ship it back, and you can make payments on the whole thing while you wait for all the licensing to get approved, which they take care of for you. It's a great process, and it's a great company, American manufacturer, right there in South Dakota, and we are really excited to be partnering with them. So check it out at silencercentral.com, or give them a call at 888-781-8778, and let them know that you heard it on the Western Huntsman. Hoffman Boots is my go-to boot. I love the Explorers in the 8-inch, and they've got the Vibram sole, totally waterproof, no break-in period. They just glue your feet to the mountain. You can't ask for more out of a boot, and you don't have to break the bank to get a pair. So check it out at HoffmanBoots.com. Again, another American company, a local North Idaho friend of mine, who runs this company, decided to make some great hunting boots for all people that are serious about getting into the backcountry to chase elk and deer and bear and everything else out there. So check it out at hoppinboots.com. Use promo code all caps lock huntsman 10 at checkout to save you 10%. But it's yeah, a beautiful that- bull. I just, I, I love, I, you know, as we got talking about this, I remember you and I were texting and I was kind of asking you narrowing down. Cause I know Utah really well, you know, it's where I grew right. up. And, and now I remember, I, I, I know exactly where you were at. Um, it, it's a, it, it's a, it's a great area where obviously I'm not going to say it on the show, but, uh, I, I've always wanted to get that far back up there. And when I lived there, I had horses, uh, but right. we, we, I always went, all I'll say is I went south and, okay. and, um, you know, similar elevations, but there's something about that country you were in on that, on that particular range that was just for, for like in my mind, it was like this forbidden fruit or something. I, I, I didn't want to go in there. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, it's so hard to explain, but, uh, I did kill yeah. a nice mule deer up there that, uh, I wanted to talk about go back to your buddy shot offhand. Did, did he, did he get a bowl on that trip or? No, he did not. Um, oh man, that poor guy. He, he he actually. So on the third day, I don't know what. Maybe it was the fourth day. Uh, so I already had my bull, and I, we went hunting. You know, together a few times. I was just going around as a cameraman because I was gonna. I'm gonna make a little film out of this, and mm-hmm. uh, um, we saw some cows and we heard some bulls, but we never really had any opportunities. And then one evening. Um, Braden just got a hair up his ass and he's like, Hey, let's get on the horses. We're going to ride over to that other basin. Ross is going to sit here in glass. And, you know, and if he sees anything, he could reach us on the inreach. Well, they were gone, you know, for, I don't know, six, six hours or so. And then they, they were coming back and I never, well, I did see some bulls, but from where they were to where the bulls were, they wouldn't have got there by, by, uh, by dark, dark so yeah yeah so i just figured i'd tell them when we got home we could make a plan for the morning but as soon as they got back to camp we're talking like last 10 minutes of shooting light left i come over to meet them with the horses and Braden looks up and he's like elk and i turn around and there's three cows and a bull crossing 
180 yards right by our camp. So Brandon gets off and he's over to my side and I'm sitting there recording and the cows kind of left and the bulls is standing there. And, but from the angle he's at, he couldn't see the bull because of these trees. So I, I told him, I said, get over here, get over here. I got a straight, straight path. And, uh, as soon as he got to me, it turned. So it was just his ass looking at us and it walked away probably another 20 yards. And then it turned. But when it turned, he had a really narrow window and, um, yeah, he, he missed again, unfortunately. Was he off hand again or was he down? No, this time he was down. He was prone. He was down on his knee. Uh, but he, he, uh, he missed again and he was pretty distraught. Plus, you know, this was his first time uh ever on horses, which he did not like. And this was his first <laughs> Some this people was his, don't, man. Yeah. And this was you know. his first first time at uh you know above ten thousand feet, and he struggled. Like he hardly ate anything the whole time we were there. He drank a lot, but he was you know, he was having a lot of issues and uh yeah. A day later, we still had like two days left to hunt. He, he he just said, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. And so. Oh, yeah. You know. But he had a good time. It's interesting with that offhand shot, man, when you're not, when you don't have anything to stabilize that rifle with a scope, that's way harder for me than like, like I can offhand shoot. I have this little um, 3030 Winchester, you know, the, the, the model 94 there, you know, and it's open sight. And, and I can, I can offhand shoot that thing all day and hit a Nance ass from, from whatever, not super far. They, 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 that kind of rifle doesn't have that kind of range anyway, but man, you put a scope, I, I go out with some, one of my, you know, like my savage or whatever. Uh, I, I go out with that bad boy with the scope. I can't offhand shoot anything and it's just, it just <laughs> gets so shaky, but, yeah. um, it's, uh, that's, I, I don't know. That's always been a constant thing. I can, I, like I could, I could hit running jackrabbits with that, with that model 94 open sights, <laughs> but man, you put an elk at 250 yards with a rifle and, and I, you know, I, I don't even know what that looks like. Cause I, I mostly bow hunt for elk, but right. now, now I got an opportunity, um, with, uh, the new place we live, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I've got a lot more opportunity if I, if I don't tag out during archery season i've got a pretty good uh pretty solid elk season so or i'm sorry rifle season but how come you get so you got you you were able to trade that for some product basically and go with an outfitter huh well no i mean i paid some money too um because it's like well and it depends on where you're at i'm just always curious because all my friends ross always get they always tell me the same story They're, they're like oh yeah this outfitter hit me up and we worked out a deal how come none of you outfitters out there listening ever reach out to Jim at the Western Huntsman.com to work out some kind of deal? Like, come on. This podcast is ranked number 26 in the wilderness sector of, of Apple Podcasts. And that's a big deal because I'm competing against like freaking bird watcher podcasts and canoe kayakers and you know, anything outside. Anything outside. It's not just hunting. And so I, I- when I, I say deal, I don't mean like I didn't steal this hunt. I mean, I, I still paid a, a pretty good penny, but I didn't pay absolute full price either. But 
yeah, I'd have to pay full price. I got nothing to offer an outfitter other than like advertising or something, but I, I'd love to, I, I'd love to just try it because I, I, you know, I fly fished for years in, and, and was terrible at fly fishing until I went with this. Uh, I, I basically won a trip. Uh, I had met some goals with a company I worked for and they sent me, they asked me what I wanted to do. You know, they're like, Oh, we could, Send you to Hawaii with your family, or you can go on a fly fishing trip. Well, guess what I chose? I chose a fly <laughs> fishing trip, <laughs> right. right? So, so I went on this, and this this fishing guide, man, he changed my life with fly fishing. I I don't I don't ever get skunked on a river anymore with a fly rod, and I I love it. And so, um, that's I I've always wondered because I've never been on like a real guided hunt. I've always wondered. Like if I go out with somebody who, you know, you, you could say these guys do this for a living, right? right? The things that they could teach you. And, and I, I'm a, I'm a pretty good hunter, but I'm not like a, I'm not like a professional hunter, you know? And, and so I think people misconstrue my, my level of expertise because I have a hunting podcast, but my, my podcast is more focused on, you know, dealing with like your Washington commission over there, um, Ross, yeah, you know stuff like that. So I, I'm like I'm like your most experienced worst hunter you'll ever meet in your life. So I figured it, it would be great for me to go. Like I don't have I don't have a wall of antlers like you do behind you. Um, you know, and and for those of you just listening, like he's got this this barnwood wall, and there's all these big bull elk on on it, and, and I, I couldn't do that. I don't have that kind of those kind of stats. And so I've just always, I've always like kind of had it in my mind that someday, and and I, I'll pay for it, but I'd love to go on some kind of guided hunt with somebody that has a lot of experience because I just, I cherish the information I learned from that uh, fly fisherman. And I'm a DIY kind of OTC kind of guy, right? And so th- this right. is not like I'm changing my my thing. I just, w- I'd love to spend a few days in the woods with with a guide like that. Yeah, That's this it. was the first time. First time I ever did a, a guided elk hunt, so it was, yeah. you know, it was it was. I learned a couple things, um, I you know, but yeah, especially on the horse front, I learned some things I never knew. But uh, other than that, it was so yeah, now. Was good now time are you? Be. Go ahead. Are you like mapping out your backyard for the horse corrals and and getting ready? <laughs> to... My wife would never go for that. <laughs> I, I, I used to have a really plush, grassy, awesome looking, like my park, my yard looked like a park, mm-hmm. but now I own a GSP, a German short-haired pointer. Oh yeah. 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 Nice trails it, all over. It, it is. Yes. I don't and they're have busy her, dogs. They're busy, busy dogs. Grass <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not missing I actually told the wife the other day, I said, maybe we should just artificially turf this whole thing. We'll see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no kidding, man. No, the dog will screw that up too. Yeah. The GSP. Yeah. That's, that's, you're not missing much, man. I had horses. I, I, I did I, for a long time. I had horses and man, they're just, they're expensive. Like they're more expensive than my kids. I, I yeah. feel like, and, and yep. I just, I didn't, I didn't like, I, I liked the access they would give me. You know, right. to some some of the back back country and all that, but I didn't like the year round constant work and maintenance and mucking stalls and feeding and and all this stuff and you know having one colic in the middle of the night and you know they just wasn't my thing. Yeah, I dated a girl who was heavy into horses, and 
after her, I said, I will never date another, you know, someone who's that much into horses. It is, it is more time than kids and it's way more money than kids. And I think, I, I think that, uh, you know, you have to be passionate about the animal itself. And, and right. I, where I love horses, I love, I love animals. Uh, and I, I love, I love pets. And if it were up to me, dude, I'd have, I'd have like uh, probably 10 dogs, you know, but, um, I, I love, I love that aspect of it. It, but, but you have to have like a deeper passion for the animal and the things that you can do with the animal. I had only a couple things I wanted to do on a horse. I wanted to access better country for hunting and I wanted to do do like just some basic trail riding uh, around like my uh, my my family my dad's ranch and and stuff like that. I, I like to I like to go out and shoot coyotes on a horseback because <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, right. But but like I didn't have you know I have buddies they're way into like cutting horses. Uh, if you know what a cutter is, you know where they're, oh, yeah. they're kind of the, the and they're freaking crazy crazy horses. They're awesome to watch. Uh, some people I, I've, I've got buddies that are big into rodeo They're Um, they'll, they'll do like team roping, um, which is a lot of fun for me to watch. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go to the road or I don't want to be in a rodeo. I like to go, you know, sit in the stands and drink Coors Light or whatever. And, right. and so I think that's what it is with horses. You have to have kind of a deeper passion for, for what the animal is capable of to want to have them and take care of them and have that expense because, how long did I have them? I mean, it was, it was years. And I just, I just realized like, I, it's just not, it's not what I'm passionate about, you know, and that horse deserved better kind of thing. Right. Um, so anyway, I love my horse, but, but man, he was an asshole sometimes. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> they do. He's kind of a jerk. You know what you need to get, dude? Uh, I've talked about those tech cams in the past. You, right. you were talking about, uh, so that little that little clamp on thing right i i would put that in like the side pouch on my pack right and so i could just grab it real fast and clamp it on a tree branch and then the other one i had either like strapped to my shoulder strap on my pack right you can also take that and it comes with a little bit of a or it comes with a little attachment that allows you to put it on your bow and so it's it's basically filming your shot Oh, okay. with the rifle, it has something called an FCS or something like that. Film through scope FTS. So uh, that attaches to your scope and it films that way without, you know, messing with uh, what you're seeing through the scope. So it films the shot. And so the point with that, which, by the way, you can't do like you can't do that in Idaho. Uh, they're real primitive with like, especially with your bows. You can't have electronic equipment on your weapons. But right. um the the cool part with that is what you were saying with you had your camera over here in the cotton bag and then your other one, you know, attached to you somewhere and you guys were trying to get them out. But if you, if you have those tact cams and you set them up the way I just I, I just kind of explained it, it comes right. with this little remote control and you wear it around your neck. And so like what I would do, I'd be out in the woods. I'd get this big bull screaming at me. Well, they're all big in my mind, uh, a bull screaming back at me. And I could hear him coming, you know, freaking twigs are crashing. Um, he's screaming at me. And what I do is that remote control, you hit one button on it and both your cameras turn on and start filming. And so you could like clamp one to a tree, which is the wide lens and gets right. that overall shot. And then you can walk like, you know, 50 yards in front of that and it'll still, it'll still pick you up. 
Um, oh, that's cool. And then, and then I had the other one that I always had when I'm hunting Idaho. Um, I, I strap it to my pack strap, right? And so it's getting everything my my shoulder basically it it follows my head in a, in a sense, right? Right. And it has a head mount, but it gets heavy if you're going in five, six, seven miles. You know, it gets old wearing right. it. But the point is, is you you just you turn them on with the click of a quick button, and all of a sudden you get you're getting multiple perspectives and able to film all that, and it's actually really good footage. And so, um, yeah, anyway, they're, they're, they, they used to sponsor the show. They don't anymore, but, um, so I've, I've got all those, but all my, my whole setup burned in that fire. So I had to replace it all. I, I haven't even set it up yet. Huh. I'll have to check into them. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So, all right. We, we've been yakking and, uh, haven't even talked about this, how, how to win a hunt for this money. Tell us what you're doing. You're trying to raise money for sportsman's Alliance, which is a great cause. And I appreciate that. Give us so, give us an overview. You know, being a resident here in Washington and a lifetime hunter here in Washington, as you've had other people on your show before, we have this commission that um, has appointed. They've been appointed by our governor. And in my opinion, you know, they were put there as a favor by people who have money in his pockets. And that's my, you know, that's my assessment of the situation. And they are anti-hunting. They are not, they are not hunter friendly at all. And, you know, like we've already lost the spring bear season. They're already talking about eliminating bear hunting altogether and cougar hunting. But right now, like this year, they're trying to push the seasons back to a point past deer and elk seasons of all weapons because they don't want opportunistic kills which 90 yeah. percent of all the bear and cougar well not maybe not for bear but at least for cougar 90 percent of them come during an elk and rifle season of some sort um so basically they're just trying to you know let cats run wild and so we have all these issues and the only way to fight these issues is with money and sportsman's alliance you know they're a good a good group um to give your money to um because there are some plans in the works they're just waiting for some things to fall before they can actually file suit and so as a small company um i just said you know what can i do besides always talking about it what can i do to help raise funds for sportsman's alliance so they can actually step forward and you know fight for us hunters and uh i'm friends with um Simong yang who if you don't know him he's a he's a big uh, youtuber in washington here he's got a pretty good following he's a really good guy he's a really good hunter he's super humble um he deserves everything he gets and he knows the situation and i said hey what if we you know or if if I put it all together, would you be willing to like offer, I don't want to do like a deer hunt or a, or an elk hunt because a lot of, a lot of that we do, you know, he's worked hard for those areas that he's learned. And I don't want to take somebody into that area only to have them come back the next year, you know, and ruin his place. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to act. I'm going to get, I'm going to secure some private property and we're going to do a turkey hunt. And he's like, yep, I'm all for it. And so 
so that was the you know the main thing because he he's the draw and uh i reached out to some other people i know you know jason phelps and um i don't know if you know joel schwecker from black river taxidermy um andy elliott of course i know joel schwecker okay all right and, uh, <laughs> he's been on the show so he's, he's um, one of my top two favorite taxidermists by the way oh he's really good yeah um, yeah anyway uh so i researched and how i can do this you know fundraiser i first thought you know i'll sell some raffle tickets or whatever but because my company is a for-profit company i can't really do that so wait wait created what, what do you mean you so you because you're a for-profit company you you can't what you can't raise money for a non-profit is that what you're saying well i can't do like you can't do a raffle why you have to be you have to be a non-profit com- uh i don't know that's just the law is that is yeah. that a washington thing or is that like a national thing i'm fairly sure it's national like um who says that? Like who? See, I, so I'm not. Started, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to rabbit trail the thing to death. But right. who the fuck came so, up with that idea? Like we're so, not a free so, country. We can't just have a raffle if we own a company. Like who? Who? What? I've never even heard. Yeah, of that. there's law. There's laws for raffles. Um, you have to apply for a license first. But if you're a for-profit company, they don't. Even though I'm not keeping any of the money. Besides the cost of the shirt, every single dime is going to Sportsman's Alliance. I can and this when I was talking when I was talking to Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance about it, he's like, he says, uh, you might want to look at this as a little different, you know, maybe call somebody. He says, but I don't think with the way my company is set up that I can do that. So I'm doing what's called a game of chance. And uh by so I'm selling a I'm selling a product. It's a T-shirt. Um, John Gabrio designed it. Um, and when you go to my site and, and buy that T-shirt, it gives you five entries. Uh, and the reason I did five entries for the T-shirt is because because of the laws, I have to offer a free entry. Like if somebody doesn't want to pay the money, but they still want to enter the contest so those people will get one point and to make sure the people who are actually contributing money i'm offering them greater chances to win yeah, which actually we're we're going to announce something here either later this week or the beginning of next week um to increase people's chances m- even more but um yeah so i'm selling this shirt it gives you a chance to win a hunt with Samong Yang, and also. Andy Elliott of Elliott Outdoors donated a uh, Savage 410 shotgun. Black oh, stud. Joel at Black River Taxidermy, he's offering a free uh, fan mount. Um, P and Wild is offering their Tamarack 2.0 knife. Jason Phelps is donated a whole turkey package. Herod Outdoors donated a, a Spice game package. Um, elusive outdoors. Um, they sell, make these turkey totes, red, white, and blue turkey totes. So you can carry a turkey out of the woods. They donated that. Um, I had a guy reach out to me, um, wild country customs. He, he's donating, um, a custom 
you know, he'll work with the guy whoever wins to make a custom pot call out of any uh-huh. almost any almost any kind of wood. Uh and then uh because Samong has a friendship with Vortex, Vortex um is donating a binoculars <clears throat> and a product that has not been released yet. Oh really? Like yeah. Okay, okay. I won't I won't dig into that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't I So don't it's know like what a it secret thing that they've they've it's re- it's almost ready for market but it's not announced yet kind of thing. Sorry, I got right. I got a little hung up on 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 the whole raffle law thing. I was trying to look it up but I I having a hard time listening to you and try to research that but that I'm going to dig into that. That pisses me off if that if that's a real thing. Um yeah, and so what I was going to donate something one night. You said you were going to donate some Phelps stuff, but Jason already donated some stuff. Well, that dirty little dog. I tell you what, I have, I have in my here possession, I have a um, brand new in the box spy point cell cam that I will, I'll throw in the mix as well. So add right. that, add that to your list. And I'll it, just after we're recording, text me your address and I'll send that to you. Or is that okay. illegal too in commie Washington? No, I don't know. It's not illegal. Okay. I can send it to you. I'm not going to have like the, the, the Washington tax commission show up and be like, bitch, did you pay taxes on that? Like, yeah, well, I, no. I heard this was a raffle. No, <laughs> uh, sure. That's, that's great. Really appreciate it. I'll, I'll actually, I'll make a little announcement about that as well. Man, and if then, you would have told me we could have done this cool spring bear, uh, I would have donated like three, four days on my bait barrel for somebody spring bear hunting, I'll, I'll bait it and sit with them and, and, uh, Oof. uh, but it has to be in Idaho. Um, right. and so, but that would have totally been an option. Um, I just didn't, I, I, I didn't, man, anyway, I, it's been a, it's been a crazy couple of months. <laughs> yeah. You've, you've, you've had a lot going on. And then, uh, a private individual approached me. I was at a fundraiser, um, for sportsman's Alliance a couple weeks ago. And an individual approached me and he wants to pay for the license and tags of whoever wins. Oh, wow. Is that the guy we were talking about before recording? No, no, no. That's awesome. uh, That, that, well, I don't think he cares that if if I, you know, he didn't say keep this quiet. He just said he didn't want to, he just didn't want to, he didn't want to be entered in the contest and he didn't want to, um, be a shirt but yeah he you know he gave me yeah some money to just put towards the cause so that's awesome and everybody would know who that is i i don't know if you're allowed to say his name but everybody would pretty much know who that is and uh it's it's just cool because you know it's not like he's looking to get something out of it you know that that's when you know i I don't know i just i i love stuff like that and uh i i think it's awesome let me write this down i'm gonna send you a camera i mean i i I don't think he's gonna care uh it was randy newberg um, we just had the sportsman show here in Western Washington and, um, I met him last year and talked to him for a bit. And then, you know, I was going to be at the show. I was there actually promoting, uh, one, I was there for awareness. And then two, I was there to promote the giveaway. Um, I was walking, I had some flyers and some posters at some friends booths to promote the giveaway. And I was just walking around with the sign. One side had a picture of the giveaway and the other side said, you can't be mad if you lose it, if you don't do anything to keep it. 
Yeah, and, I saw that. And when people people saw that, they approached me and they're like, hey, what is this about? And I didn't even mention the giveaway at first. I just said, well, do you know what is going on with our uh, Washington State uh, Commission? And they're like, no. And I shit you not, 90% of the people I talked to had no idea that anti-hunters were on the commission, had no idea that we lost the spring bear season three days or three years ago. They didn't know anything. That's crazy. And so, so I was really happy. You know, I haven't seen like the return in shirts, you know, shirt sales or whatever, but at least I, I'm, you know, bringing awareness and you know, that, people that, hopefully can start paying attention. That's the thing with you, Ross, is like, you know, you just started this company, the Crazy Elk Company, which you started it at a bad time. We were still like within the p- pandemic going on really hard. Right. You know, we didn't have a bunch of shows going on. Nobody wanted to get, you know, you know, like hunt hunt expos kind of thing. But but you you're one of those guys that you you just want to get involved. You want to do something, whether it's it's small or big or and you want to turn it into something big. The, we need more guys like you. We, we need more people out there that are willing to put their money where their mouth is and, and actually get this needle, needle moving in the right direction against these anti-hunting organizations and these, these corrupt commissioners uh, that do things like they've been doing in the state of Washington and this anti-hunting ideology that is kind of spreading into, you know, uh, so, some of the, some of the, even the politics. Um, by the way, before I forget, if you, I don't know if you can see it, here's that spy point. This is the, okay. that cell cam, and oh, see nice. down here on the bottom, I wrote Crazy Elk Company in my Sweet. really bad handwriting. That way I know, because uh, I, I have one of these. I'm going to send that one to you, and I've got this other one. I'm supposed to send it to Gabe Hinkle, uh, and I, I keep forgetting to go down to the post office and mail it. So if you send me your address, I'll go do that like tomorrow or Wednesday and get it over to you. Cool. Okay. I can do that. So anyway... um. You know, I, I, I don't know what to call it, but I, I always just kind of call it like grassroots roots efforts. It's it's people that y- you don't necessarily stand to to gain anything from this other than having a future right. as a hunter and yeah. having your kids and your grandkids have a future in hunting and, right. and to enjoy this this uh, this lifestyle that's under attack, which is odd because, you know, this lifestyle is something that is, you know, we have thousands of years of history. That's, that can't be wrong. There's, there's, this is not something you could define as wrong. I made a joke on a post earlier today, or was that yesterday? Anyway, um, somebody was, it was like that whole debate fixed broadhead versus mechanical broadhead. And I, I always have the same answer. It's always fixed for me because, uh, you know, a thousand years, uh, of history can't be wrong right right and a lot right. of people are like fair point fair point you know and blah 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 but but the thing is is i don't care i, I don't care right. if you want to use mechanical freaking use mechanical i'm old and i'm stubborn and i'm set in my ways i'm going to use fixed and i'm not right. going to debate it but uh the the point the point i guess i'm making is it's like the same kind of thing we're fighting against these people that have this new issue in humanism it's it's right. a new thing and it's it's this you know when you're when you're only uh maybe four maybe five decades of of having a problem with a lifestyle and 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 a a way of life 
and a pursuit, whether you consider hunting to be a hobby or a lifestyle, it doesn't matter that that is the, the human existence. That's what our history is. And, and so to the, the other point that you made earlier that, that it's going to take money, you, you couldn't have been more right. That's what we're up against. We're up against organization, organizations that have a lot of money for this. And they're very, they're, they're very motivated. They're very um, willing to give up their time, their treasure, their talents, these things that we talk about to achieve what their ideological goal is, which is right. things like getting, uh, you know, eliminating things like, like um, black bear hunting in the spring or, you know, just hunting in general. It doesn't matter what it is, I guess. Um, they have a lot of motivation for this. And some I, I've been, I, man, I, as much as I want to say, I've had a lot of hope lately because I have, there's been a lot of, a lot of hunters are waking up a lot of outdoorsmen and sportsmen. And, and, and you know, the folks are, are starting to be a little bit more keyed into what these issues are and what we're up against and what they're willing to do and the money they're right. willing to spend and the time they're willing to put in. I do feel like that has increased Russ. But I still think that we are getting our asses kicked on the motivation side because we're all focused on getting that fixed or non-fixed or you know, mechanical broadhead or buying the new, um, all, what, what is this stuff I've been talking about on this episode, Tacticams and Kafaru vinyl right. harness, you know, and, and I love all that stuff. But at, at some point, we we all have to. Uh, what, what, how did I explain that with my buddy, Gabe, hey, hey, take a bite of the shit sandwich <laughs> yeah. and start putting yeah. more money out there because it really is, this stuff is going to end up in litigation and it's going to take money to get to that point and be successful in that outcome and, and make no mistake, the, the folks we're up against, they have a lot of it. So yep. anyways, um, did I cut I think, you off rudely or did you? No, 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 you didn't. Have... You didn't at all. I, I was just waiting for you to say your point. And I was going to say um, everything you said is right. And I think, you know, like you, you've talked about it and, you know, other people have talked about it and I've been, you know, preaching it for a long time. And I think it's starting, things are, you know, starting to work like here in Washington. Um, we just had this uh, a bipartisan bill come up from the Washington Senate for the hunt to, uh, the to constitutional right. Yeah, yeah, to be a hunt and fish. It unfortunately it died. Uh, I heard it came out of like a small committee, and then it died in the next committee. But I talked to somebody over the weekend, and they say it's probably going to be. Re resurrected next year because they don't want to put it on a ballot of a year of a, of a presidential race, I guess. Oh, so yeah, we'll see what happens there. Idea. But they're also, and I don't know if you saw my post the other day, a, the house of representatives here in Washington, a guy named Wilcox put forth a bill, uh, to abolish our state commission. Um, I did not see called, that. Yeah, it's it's a uh, House Bill two four three four, and um, he basically he he wants to go to uh, an appointed director that will oversee the whole department. And I, I mean, you could look up this bill. It's yeah, it's House Bill uh, two four three four, 
but I highlighted it in my post the other day where he he uh, it said they have failed to live up to their purpose. They have made decisions contrary to the promises that those have come before them have made. They have ignored the science of their own staff, letting special interest groups dictate the Department of Fish and Wildlife's direction and ignoring their legislative mandates. Now, powerful stuff. I don't know. He, he's he, he's not wrong. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if that'll go very far either, but I think it's a shot over the bow of the commission and our governor saying, hey, we're paying attention now. Yeah. You know, so I think I was are, I, I, I what I like about it, I, I, I think you're right. I don't think that'll go very far. And I, I don't know that that's the right answer to have one individual uh, in charge, because I, I feel like that that's where you can you, you start breeding you know, being swayed by fundraising and, 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 and dollar signs and, and uh, lobbying and and things like that. But, you know, I've always wondered, I've always wondered, like, how do we start thinking outside of the box uh, with this? And I can't in like Idaho and Montana complain about our commissions. Right. Uh, Right. There's, uh, there's really, when, when you start comparing that to like Washington or California or Colorado or something like that with the commissions, uh, I, I, I really can't complain. Um, However, I guess that said, you know, that I always wondered, like, what if only licensed hunters could vote for the commission? Each commission, you know, you you have to be a tag holding licensed hunter because and I don't think that'll ever go either, Russ, because we're not the only stakeholders in the wildlife management game. Right. But yet, we are. We have the most history, and we have we have the biggest stake. If you're going to call it a stakeholder, we do have the biggest stake in the game because we do consume, um, these things in nature, right? And I don't mean that in a literal sense. I mean you know we are consumptive users, and I know somebody I don't remember who was talking about how they don't like that term because of this and this and this. But the reality is, is um, there is this consumptive side to it, and and we 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 take. But while we are taking, we are conserving for future take, right? right? And so, right there, it's kind of like you know, you know, if we're a stakeholder in a oil company, we're gonna take a a a profit share, or whatever, on a on a quarterly basis. But but yet we're still giving to ensure that that future earnings is always going to be there. It's kind of the same kind of concept, right? Right. And so I've just always wondered if, if something like that, like, what do you think? Would, would, would people go for that? I, I, we know non, uh, or anti hunters wouldn't go for that, but I, I license tag holders. So at one of the, at one of the meetings that we went to, uh, an older guy, he suggested that instead of the commissioners being appointed by the governor, that we should have, you know, we have our regions. I think we have like six regions or seven regions in Washington. And each region should be able to vote for who their governor is or who their commissioner is. Which, yeah. if you were to break up Washington, the 90% Democratic-controlled region, there would only be one region. Everybody else is, you know... 
it's insanity. Yeah, it's insanity. All those other regions would probably appoint somebody who's supposed to be in there. And then you'd have your, you know, Seattle region that would have their Wahoo in there. So when it comes to voting time, it wouldn't be like it is right now where we have, you know, four commissioners that are all anti-hunting. That's a good way to put it. And that that's actually a really good point because you're you're right, man. In in my day job, I have to travel like you just posted a video of that highway between like Yakima and Ellensburg. I've been yep. on that highway a million times, man. Um and and I'm on that highway quite often. Uh from a standpoint, you know, for for this company that I'm I'm still working for uh outside of my own company um i'll go estimate great big commercial roofs you know when there's there's like hospitals and schools in yakima so that's why i go to yakima right so i'm all over i'm all over washington including the i5 corridor that seattle tacoma area um and and i'm so i i wouldn't say i spent a ton of time i used to spend a lot more time in washington but quite frankly from a business standpoint (laughs) Uh, it's a lot more profitable to stay in Idaho and yeah. Montana. So anyway, um, the the point is, is, is as I travel through Washington and, and I'm, let's say I'm in Okanagan County, or let's right. say I'm just, uh, I'm in Ellensburg or down by the Tri-Cities or in Moses yeah. Lake, you know, these, these yeah. areas, um, Clarkston, wa- uh, Washington. I don't feel culturally out of place any differently than I would if I were in Idaho or Montana or Wyoming or somewhere. Right. Right. It's when I cross that pass and I, I have to drop down and I have to go look at a big roof. Uh, let, let's say in Tacoma and they have right. these weird requirements for these public entities to uh, approve your bid kind of thing. Anyway, that's, that's a whole other cop podcast. I should do like a, no, I'm not going to do that. But I, I feel out of place, Ross. Like when I oh, yeah. sometimes, sometimes I'll fly into Seattle from Spokane uh, early in the morning. I'll go look at a project, and then I'll go back to the airport and I'll fly home the same day, right? And so there is this weird difference in those areas. And what happens is when when you spend that much time on the road, and then you have to spend time in those big urbanized areas such as Seattle, Tacoma. And and you see the disparity in in not only the culture but the way of life and the lifestyle, and the compression of humans compacted into these small areas. Yeah. I can't help but wonder. And I don't want anybody to to be upset with me for saying this, but it's it's just a dude that observes things. I can't help but wonder how much groupthink has taken over in like a city block of Seattle where they all live in the same apartments and they all work in the same kind of places, you know, similar type areas. And they right. all go visit the same coffee shops and they all go to the same gas station. And there's just like so many freaking people that they don't know each other. Like they're, well, half the are, they're, on their phone. they're on their phone. And, and, but, but this, this cultural group think that takes place where it's like okay there are more people in one apartment complex in downtown seattle than the entirety of the town that in in northwest montana where i live and and we're talking hundreds of square miles what what we consider the area where we live 
hundreds right. of square miles. Okay. You, you could say like, like you could, you could use Heron, Montana as an example. I think the population is like 210 people or something, yeah, you know, but they're not talking about the town itself. There's only a few houses and a little store and a, and a marijuana dispensary in this town. That's it. Oh, right. there's a church, you know, but the area of Heron is, is pretty big. It's a big right. area, right? But if you took all those people that lived in that area, what we consider Heron, Montana, it's less than what is in one apartment complex in downtown Seattle. And so the, I, I guess what I'm driving at is I can't help but wonder is when you when you get all those people and they, they start having these same like political leanings and, and they're all in the same kind of communal um, areas, there's there's not a lot of critical thinking outside of what everybody else considers to be right. And when, when, when the masses start considering like, like these people run around that, and we talked about this, they literally think president Biden is a, is a viable option for another term. Right. <laughs> like, like really that's, that's viable to you. <laughs> right. A guy who can't even say a word correctly and can't understand him. He, he spends his time eating ice cream and snipping children. Like, I'm sorry. Like he's not running the country, but whoever is, is really benefiting from his presidency. And so I, I just can't help but think that like, I, I guess what I'm saying is it, it bothers me that maybe sometimes with, with how thick the group think gets in places like these, these big urbanized areas, their votes can outweigh people that that because we don't live in such compacted areas that like maybe maybe we have less of a say because yeah. i because where i live i don't have 300 people on top of me uh, or below me uh or to my left or right right i i i have a 15 acre plot of land here my we i i know like one neighbor uh we don't we don't really, everybody leaves each other alone unless you like absolutely need something. Right. And, and we all have, you know, I, it, it wouldn't be fair of me to say this without saying that like we all generally where I live have, have very similar political leanings. And that's why we live out here. We want to be left alone. We don't, we don't really think the government has our best interest at heart, you know, however, the difference is, is, is we've all come to that conclusion in a, in a different way than maybe some of these real highly dense populated areas where, where this groupthink does. And everybody, if you don't know, like groupthink is when like there's this common theme in belief system. Uh, and, and because you're exposed to around these people that have this common belief that you start believing that too. So this is why like college campuses get really freaking liberal. Like you right. can send a perfectly normal kid uh, to college, and then like a year later, uh, they they switched genders and started voting for voting for Biden, right? And, and it's like, what? What happened? Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, where'd my, not, hey, where'd my kid go? And so, so that's what I'm talking. That's what groupthink is, and I think that it happens in these urbanized areas, these these real densely populated areas like like Tacoma and Seattle. And there's there's outcasts there that hold out and they've got to be even stronger and more firm in their beliefs than even I do because they're so surrounded by the opposite. You know what I mean? And, and so it's like yeah. I always admire those kind of people. They're like the one Republican in the in the uh, or, or conservative or libertarian in, in an apartment complex in downtown Tacoma. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, or I San actually, Francisco. My wife has a, a good friend of hers. Uh, she's dating a guy who he's, if you look at him, he's, you know, he's a, a pretty boy, you know, doesn't dress outdoorsy at all, but he actually is a hunter and he likes to provide his own meat. You See, know, that's awesome. It, it, but and, does he, and he live, he does, lives in Seattle. Does like, do, and what I, I guess uh, that's another thing I'm driving at. Like, do his neighbors know that? That I don't know. I don't know him all that well, but I do know, like, I, I started being friends with him on uh, Instagram and he cooks wild game. Like, if you were to look at a dish, you thought you were eating at a fancy restaurant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, he cooks it a little different than I do. <laughs> Let's just yeah. say that, you know, <laughs> but yeah, he he's really good. Um, and he, he loves, I wouldn't say he's like a diehard hunter, you know, like me, but he goes out and he, you know, he'll get a deer or he likes going down to Oregon and he'll shoot some wild hogs. He really likes uh, the meat from wild hog. Um, they have wild hogs in Oregon. I guess so. Like there's why, some farms. Why that, haven't you yeah. and I taken a road trip? I, it was the first I heard of it when he was telling me about it. Hey, that reminds me. I thought you were going to come over to, uh. Uh, Eastern Washington, we were going to go chase pheasants. Whatever happened to well, that? Uh, I don't know if that's when I got sick. Might have been. I don't remember. We were talking, and then then we just kind of stopped talking about it. We need to make something like that happen. Yeah, but, and I got and, I got a, I got a, I got a good dog now. Yeah, you got the GSP man. My my uh, retriever, both of them. They're they're freaking worthless now, man. One of them's uh, almost thirteen years old, so he's not going. He used to be a great bird dog, upland. Uh, you wouldn't think that out of a retriever, but, um, and then, and then I, we, we got this new pup, Wyatt. He's well, I say new, he's like, he's like two, two and a half years old now. He's worthless man as a bird dog. Cause I, I, he, he ended up being my girl's dog and okay. all he cares about is being with my girls, uh, my daughters, and I've never taken him out. And I just feel like I'm kind of wasting a really good dog. Cause he listens well, but anyway, right. that's my bad. But you can't beat a yeah. GSP for for I'm pheasants. All, I'm all for uh, I'm all for meeting in the middle and hunting birds. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, I have I have some really good areas uh, for west or I'm sorry, eastern Washington for for pheasant man. I know some yeah, well, killer keep spots. That lock tight. <laughs> I I I said uh, western Oregon wrong. Um, sorry about. That. I, I think I I accidentally said eastern Washington. <laughs> yeah. Well, brother, I've kept you a long time tonight. I, I want to let's can you go back real quick and kind of give us a basic synopsis, a how do people enter this opportunity to win a hunt? What is the hunt? And um, what does that money go towards? OK, so I know we can, it's a little redundant, but I, I think it's important. No, we, we just touch on that again. It's all good. Um, you go to my web website. Actually, if you want to go directly to the fundraiser page, you go, it's www.crazyelkcompany.com forward slash fundraiser. And, and that'll, guys, that, take that'll be in the show notes. So if everybody listening, I, I, I sorry to cut you off, Ross, but I, that's, that's really no important. The, the show notes are the notes, whatever podcast platform you're listening to, you see all that text right below where you hit play. Those are the show notes, and, and I just I just want that perfectly clear. I've been saying show notes for years, and uh, some people don't know, but that link is going to be right there. Sorry 
to cut you off, Ross. Go ahead. Yep. And then that'll explain briefly, like, what else you're going to win. You know, all the other, the gun and the knives and all that other stuff. Um, but basically, when you scroll past that, there'll be two shirts. There's a man shirt and a women's shirt. And then, uh, yeah, you just click on it, um, pay for it. That gives you five five chances um, to win the hunt. And it is a two-day turkey hunt on private land with Samong Yang. Um, and except for what I have to pay for the cost of the shirt, which is uh, it's like 13, 14 bucks a shirt, the rest of that 40 bucks is all going to Sportsman's Alliance. And are you going to do this again in the future? Um, like, what's the deadline on this one first? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The deadline. That's right. That's a good thing. The deadline is the end of this month. So the last so day, February, February 20... 31st. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm kidding. Right. It's a leap year. Uh, so I think it's the 29th. 29th. Yep. February 29th. And then um, we I will announce uh, the winner um, shortly after that. Because I'm going to get together. Actually, that last day of February, I'm actually going over, um, and Samong and I are going to shoot a YouTube video and do some fishing, and then we're going to draw the name of the winner, and then I'll I'll announce it. I think I I think I actually put down on there March fourth, but because that gives me time okay. to get home, yeah, and all that other yeah. stuff, yeah. Kind of figure all that out, and you know, I am not opposed. Because this is a, this is super important, but Ross, in the future, you, you know, hit me up. Maybe we can work something out where maybe there's that turkey hunt option, and maybe like a like a second place or a third place winner or whatever. Uh, we could do like a three day bear hunt out here in North Idaho. Uh, I, I and I say North Idaho because I I hunt bears both in Montana and Idaho, but Idaho allows me to bait, and I can I can get that. Uh, bait site really sauced up with some Batum 907 and um and get the bears coming in like a week before somebody shows up and i'll go sit with them for three days or whatever and 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 that that could be part of it next year and i think that what would be cool about that ross is like if we if we did something like that in the future where this this money would go to something specific and i'm I'm thinking you know i love sportsman's alliance but i'm thinking like like, how do we form something that makes it so that that money goes towards specifically litigation against the Washington Commission, right? right. And, and and the reason for that is, you know, okay, they 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 screwed Washington out of the the spring bear hunt. Well, now we can do this bear hunt in North Idaho with a winner, and then that money will go towards. Uh, the Washington Commission and the litigation that needs to happen there, because I think that's where we're at. I'll be honest; right. I think that, that that's where we're at. Like they flat want to get rid of the North American model, um, right. and and so I think that litigation is where it's at. Um, it's what they use. So why don't we use right. that against them? So right. something we can talk about down the road. Uh, I which by the way, for those of you listening, and and Ross, like I get like hundreds of bears on my bait barrels <laughs> well, good. so a really good selection now yeah, okay we'll, we'll, we'll talk and work something out so on this one for for right now you're going to win a hunt a turkey hunt two days on private land uh i am not going to even try to attempt to uh pronounce that guy's name say it again samong yang 
Samonging. Oh, that's not that bad. Okay. Uh, and that, that money is going to go towards Sportsman's Alliance, who's already taken steps to litigate against like Lorna Smith and other things with the, the Washington State Commission. That's uh, a great organization. Guys, if you go to the the link in the in, in the show notes here, that'll take you uh, to where you can you can buy a T-shirt. And the T-shirt gives you five X entries, right? Yep. I like the I I, I I like that you have like the the dude shirt help make or helping making hunting grading. Ugh. Holy cow, man! I can't talk now. What I've I had like two sips of whiskey. What the heck? Oh, okay. Helping make hunting great again, and then you have the female uh, version, which is, it says the same thing, but it's it's just a, a you know a girl shirt, which I should buy my girls one of those. They'd love that. Um, yeah, winter will be announced March fourth. Hunt will be May first, second, uh, twenty twenty four. Okay, cool. So everybody knows that. Please go to the site, guys, and we have to, as hunters, if you're listening to this show, it means that, A, you love hunting because that's what we talk about mostly, but, B, you're concerned about the future of hunting because that's the premise of this show, and and our, our one of the biggest focuses on this show is the fight against the anti-hunting organizations and and the, the, the fundamentalist, well... Do we call them? Should I call them fundamentalists? Now that's not that's not appropriate. That's not an appropriate word. I don't think. No, I wouldn't. The say. fundamental. <laughs> I've just watched a weird documentary about fundamentalists. So, um, the fundamental or foundational uh, ideology that is trying to put a stop to this way of life is out there trying to get you. If you're listening to this show, they are trying to get you. They have the money, they have the organization, they have uh, the the backing, and they have the motivation to see this thing through. It's time for us to start doing more than just buying deer tags. It's time yeah. to it's time to start. Don't get me wrong, guys. I love going to the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation banquet and and putting buying my raffle tickets and participating in the auction. It's all fun, but it's time we have to do something else. Like, like we're beyond that. We, we have organizations that are out to destroy us and this is how we do it. You know, guys like Ross, they've given us an avenue to drive down that'll actually move the needle. And so what else do you have? Do you have anything else to add to that, Ross? Um, no, I, you know, Washington has seemed to be, where they have wanted to start you know they're also working in colorado i mean i'm sure you know in oregon they're trying to pass that stupid i-83 to where you you know killing your own cow on your property is illegal you know (laughs) um when i was talking to charles from Howell the other day he's like there's works in arizona and new mexico so don't think it's not coming to you. We have to we have to nip this stuff in the bud now so they know they don't have a chance. Yeah, I I yeah, that's absolutely right. You you just said that. I need to respond to an email specifically from Hal. Um see how my mind works, dude. I have the worst ADD. You say something and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh man, I forgot about this." <laughs> so uh, no, this is great. Ross, I, I, what I, I always look up to you, man. I, I, I feel like you're like a leader and, and you're, you always have your wheels are always turning, whether it's coming up with something like the tag wallet 
or or uh, doing something like like this, doing the hunt giveaway, the turkey hunt giveaway. Um, I, I just I I really envy that mentality, and I I really respect somebody who who takes the time out of their own lives because you've got a day job, you've got your side jobs, hustle, what what you know, all these things that you're doing. You're a family man, you're a hunter, you've got outside hobbies. I'm sure besides hunting, right? I mean, come on, I, I see the corrugated metal. Obviously, you do a little bit of, you know, handyman work there. And right. so, you know, it's just, it's always, I'm always envious of people that like like you that actually step up to the plate and do something. And and you guys, it's guys like you that make it worthy uh, and worthwhile for for like guys like me to to talk about and and put up on, not that I not not putting you up on a pedestal, but like respecting what you're doing in a way that deserves respect because there, there's so many people that, out there that are just asleep at the will and don't do anything and they bitch about it on the weekends, you know, or they complain on social media. Uh, right. But that's that's the extent of what they do, and and I I just appreciate you doing what you do and actually putting your money where your mouth is and 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 putting yourself out there. Uh, this stuff is risky, you know, it costs, it costs time and money and it's not, it's not easy and it's not necessarily always fun. So I just, you know, I want you to know, I appreciate it. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that, uh, I'm not really good at compliments or anything like that, but no, I, I, I appreciate that a lot. Now, if we were in person, I'd give you a big hug right in front of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a a hugger. I'm a hugger. Gosh, I'm, I'm like. I think I, between talking all the power over the power tools over the last few days, I'm like losing my voice. So I got to cut this off. Um, so, so yeah, man, uh, stick on the line for just a minute, but everybody again, uh, Ross sharp, uh, on Instagram, let me go back to your Instagram here just to make sure it's at crazy elk company, right? Yep. Or is it at the crazy elk company? I don't have the, it pulled up. Yeah. I think the Instagram is the crazy elk company. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to have that in the show notes, guys. Uh, check them out on Instagram. Uh, please buy a T-shirt and support this cause. That is going to be found at the link in the show notes. The uh, That's, the, you know, crazyelkcompany.com forward slash fundraiser. And it's 40 bucks, 40 bucks. You know, that that is so worth it. And what will really get me excited is if I see hunters in like Texas, and uh, Colorado and Montana and all these other states uh, spending this money on these t-shirts because a there you're going to get a cool t-shirt out of it, but it, it would really help our friends in Washington as well, because I, I think that's where a lot of this is kind of focused at. And so I, I think that's, that's really important uh, that, w- that we take care of our friends in Washington. They, they deserve our help and uh, you never know when we're going to need them. So Ross, this is a, a great conversation, man. Uh, I appreciate you joining me. I appreciate you kind of, I, I, I apologize. I was kind of laxy daisy about the scheduling of uh, getting this going, but <laughs> it's all good. So thanks again for coming on and, and let's just, uh, let's keep in touch and we'll talk soon. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me and have a good night. You too, man. Thanks. You made it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Western Huntsman and write us a good review at Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on.